At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Recently, former President Donald Trump, who's running for re-election, said if NATO countries don't pay up, then he'll just say to Russia, have at it. Do whatever you want to these NATO countries. Uh, Everyone that I know um, is outraged by the comment. That's Kurt Volker, the former U.S. ambassador to NATO. And NATO countries are speaking out. Rest assured that NATO uh, is uh, uh, militarily uh, stronger than it, uh, it has ever been. Christian Preek is Estonia's ambassador to the U.S. And, uh, and uh, there is no doubt whatsoever uh, when it comes to uh, the individual and collective uh, commitment of NATO countries. Coming up on this episode from WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. No doubt you know by now the comments that former President Donald Trump made during a campaign rally in South Carolina recently where he said, essentially, if NATO countries don't pay the prescribed amount, that if Russia attacked them, he would say, Russia, do whatever you want. So we've got two important interviews today, one with the former U.S. ambassador to NATO, Kurt Volker, who's up first. He'll talk about this, and then we'll talk with the ambassador from Estonia to the U.S. His name is Christian Prik, and he comes after Ambassador Volker. But these are two very important conversations. Thank you for taking time to chat with us today. When you, when you think about what it is that President Trump said a couple of days ago, which was that um, he had a conversation with someone, and we were assuming it's a diplomat in in a NATO country um, about paying dues and or paying what they should uh, pay in terms of, you know, the percentage of their GDP. Um, what happens if they can't pay? And he says, if you can't pay, then basically he would say something on the order of Russia can do whatever the hell they want to do. How is that impacting your friends, the people that you know that live in NATO countries. Yeah. Well, everyone that I know um, is outraged by the comment, uh, partly because, you know, it's one thing to say that countries should pay their share of defense expenditure, 2% of GDP on defense. Everyone agrees with that. They accept that. They recognize that not all European countries do it. But to take it a step further and to suggest that their countries should be attacked that Russia should do to them what they're doing in Ukraine, committing war crimes, killing civilians, raping, abducting children. No one should wish that on anyone. Uh, 
And it is outrageous to suggest that, you know, Putin should do something like that. And they take offense at that. How do you believe Putin is taking something like that, that comment? Well, I think he loves it. I, I think he loves to see the divisions that this displays within NATO. It's what he's always been about, is to try to sow divisions within NATO, to weaken NATO through those kinds of divides. And by having this kind of acrimony and and distrust within the alliance, it's exactly what he wants. Ambassador, uh, I know that a foreign intelligence agency has produced a report um, that, if not out already, will be out soon, that indicates Russia's probably planning for a war with NATO within the next few years. And how do you think that statement coming from the president tracks when you look at the fact that NATO countries expect Putin to try to start a war with NATO pretty soon? Yeah. So we have to remember the whole purpose of NATO is to prevent war. That we founded NATO in 1949 when we were looking at Stalin and a divided Germany and the risks that the Soviet Union was going to try to take over more and more of Europe. So democratic countries in Western Europe, the U.S. and Canada banded together to say we're all going to fight together. And by saying so, we make it clear that the costs for any aggressor would be too high. They won't attack. And that has worked. It has worked for 75 years now. There has never been a major attack on a NATO country other than terrorists on 9-11. So that has been tremendously successful. To then break that up and say, no, we're actually not sure. We may not come to defend you if you haven't paid your share. NATO is actually divided. You weaken the underpinnings of security in Europe for everybody. And Putin looks at that and says, well, that's exactly what I want. Then I have a free hand to go attack or take whatever I want. If I could comment on that intelligence report you say may be coming out, too, I've heard about that. Uh, Russia has a plan now to man up its army to a size of uh, 1.5 million people under arms. Uh, That is absolutely huge. And that is not necessary for Russia's war against Ukraine. That is thinking about a bigger war. So we should be doing everything we can to convey resolve and determination and capability that we will, in fact, defend ourselves against any attack in order to convince Putin it is not worth it. Otherwise, with a 1.5 million man army and uh, building new types of equipment, uh, he may be tempted to see what he can take. What is it about some American politicians at this point who seem to think that maybe Mr. Trump isn't serious? about this. Um, There was one particular sitting senator who's a member of the intelligence community who suggested, I think on the Sunday shows over the weekend, that, um, well, you know, the president said some things before, but he wouldn't really go this far. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I think that that may be right. You know, we saw Trump's presidency before. He always had nice things to say about Vladimir Putin, who's a war criminal. And yet he also took tough policies against Russia and supported Ukraine. So it is hard to predict what Trump will do. But that that's kind of beside the point in my view as well, that these words matter. The U.S. should be providing leadership within NATO. We should be making our adversaries concerned about wanting to attack. We should make our allies feel that we are strong together and that the U.S. is leading this. 
that is the position you want to create, even if you do uh, discount that Trump might actually not go through with what he says. You shouldn't be saying it to begin with. Yeah, part of the reason why I asked that question was the Fiona Hill comment during her Senate testimony um, not too terribly long ago um, when she warned about this fiction that people on the Hill seemingly were following when it came to Russia and who did what in terms of Russia and Ukraine. And there was this ambivalence amongst many of the, the sitting members up there, or some of them, I should say, even though they knew what U.S. intelligence was saying. So this is this is my question. I mean, yeah. where 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 do people find that room for ambivalence? Why do they find it considering this situation and just how serious it could be? Could it be that they just don't take it that seriously? I think um, you have to start, J.J., any elected politician is thinking about their own political circumstances, their own political environment. And if you have President Trump, who has a hold on at least a third of the Republican voters, if not more, uh, that's going to be a factor for them. They don't want to be seen to be directly opposing President Trump. So they don't want to get into these discussions about Russia and aggression and what does Trump mean when he says this or that. They just want to avoid that. And I think, you know, the senator that you talked about who spoke over the weekend, I think he was deliberately trying to play down the issue so that he can move on. He doesn't want to talk about it. I don't think it means that he actually thinks that what Trump said is okay. Okay. Well, Ambassador Kurt Volker, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to hear you speak and uh, to give us uh, some some great understanding of some complex issues. So thank you. Well, JJ, it's always a pleasure to be with you. You do a great job. Thank you. And now our discussion with Estonia's ambassador to the U.S., Christian Preek. Ambassador Christian Preek, um, thank you for taking time to speak with us today. Um, one of the things that's very interesting about NATO is that NATO was designed to be an entity that would protect all of its members. Um, if one member was attacked, all members would be protected. That's Article 5 of the NATO Charter. Um, over the weekend, our former president said something to the effect that if member, member states don't pay, then he would say to Russia, do whatever the hell you want. I know that is incredibly insensitive and hard to hear. But what I'm really interested in hearing from you are your thoughts about the importance of NATO to Estonia. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAP Podcast. Com. Thank you, JJ, for uh, for having us and uh, and uh, uh, asking me to uh, discuss a topic that is uh, so very important not only for Estonian diplomats or uh, or civil servants or politicians, uh, but uh, but something that uh, every Estonian really uh, cares about, every Estonian uh, uh, pays attention to. After all, uh, uh, our membership in, in NATO and the uh, collective defense 
uh, guarantee and commitment to which we are also party to is uh, is uh, uh, the in the in the very core in the very center of uh, of uh, the uh, let's say the identity the DNA of our nation of our uh, of our country. Estonia had the unfortunate uh, uh, destiny of uh, being uh, uh, occupied uh, and annexed by the Soviet Union uh, uh, between uh, 1940 and 1991. And, uh, and uh, one of the key uh, uh, takeaways, uh, uh, the key lessons learned uh, that, uh, that our, our nation made after, uh, after this uh, horrible period of time ended was uh, uh, can, can be summarized under the slogan "Never, never alone again." So uh, uh, we, our nation, our governments, different governments, different political parties, all worked to make sure that uh, that we uh, regain our uh, uh, place uh, among the uh, countries in the transatlantic um, community. And we make sure that, that we are always there when our uh, our allies uh, need our our help, so that uh, when we might need uh, the help of our uh, uh, friends and allies, they are also there. So uh, again, uh, NATO, uh, the the fact that NATO has been the most successful uh, military alliance in the world, the the alliance that has uh, kept. Uh, the transatlantic space, not just Europe, but uh, but also uh, uh, the United States and Canada, in peace uh, for the past seventy five years, is uh, uh, is uh, uh, so very deep in our DNA that uh, that uh, without that, uh, uh, Estonia, Estonia would certainly not be the country that it is right now. How do you think your counterparts? in other countries are feeling today after hearing those remarks from a man who could be president again of the United States. How are your counterparts feeling, do you think? I'm sure you haven't had the time to speak to all of them, but or I'm not even sure if you've spoken to any of them. But um, I'm wondering how someone sitting in your chair in another, from another country might be feeling at this point. Uh, I cannot uh, speculate too much, but uh, but I I'm sure uh, I'm not the only one uh, today who has been approached uh, by the journalists. I'm not the only uh, one uh, of the uh, ambassadors uh, uh, in Washington uh, that uh, have been asked uh, uh, a lot of questions uh, from the from the capital. And uh, and uh, certainly, uh, I don't want to uh, go uh, too much into the uh, U.S. Uh, uh, domestic politics or or to the to the domestic politics of uh, of any country uh, uh, for that matter. But uh, yeah, but I'm pretty confident that uh, uh, the uh, number of ambassadors that have been approached by by the media and or uh, by their uh, own. Uh, uh, Foreign ministries or the, the other government officials is not only limited to those uh, uh, countries that are uh, that are members of NATO, but uh, but certainly uh, also uh, uh, countries, uh, other countries in the world that pay, uh, pay very close attention to uh, uh, to the Western alliance, so to say. 
I would imagine, based on what uh, Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said, um, the NATO members are together, regardless of who is leading what country or any country. The NATO members are going to stick together. Can you give us a sense of, especially with this war going on right now in Ukraine, of how important that statement is? Uh, Secretary uh, General Stoltenberg, uh, certainly uh, with his uh, experience as the uh, Prime Minister of Norway, uh, formerly, and uh, his uh, long tenure as the Secretary General of NATO right now, has a very good uh, uh, sense of uh, what uh, keeps uh, the alliance together as well as what what motivates the uh, the countries to be the uh, the members of the alliance and uh, and uh, i would say that behind uh, his word, words is this ex- long experience and wisdom uh, and also uh, the understanding how how nato works after all uh, uh, no country has joined nato uh, because they were forced to no country uh, join nato uh, because uh, uh, because someone else told them uh, to be uh, part, part of this alliance but uh, uh, but every country joined uh, joined nato uh, because they felt that this uh, organization was serving their uh, critical national interests in the best way uh, that this particular uh, organization uh, is something that uh, that provides uh, long-term uh, security and thus also uh, uh, prosperity uh, to their uh, to their nations. The beauty of uh, of NATO uh, collective defense uh, uh, clause, the so-called uh, Article Five of uh, the Washington Treaty uh, of uh, 1949, is that uh, uh, this uh, 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 Article Five uh, foresees. Uh, the possibility that uh, that all the NATO countries uh, uh, collectively and individually take steps to uh, to defend uh, uh, their uh, their ally or allies. So uh, uh, so uh, uh, th- this this is very certain that uh, that among the uh, NATO allies there is no uh, doubt whether. Uh, uh, whether uh, uh, the uh, Article Five uh, is still there, whether uh, uh, whether and and whether whether uh, NATO is still uh, uh, relevant uh, uh, in terms of uh, their uh, these countries' uh, uh, national interests. Finally, what message do you want to send? If um, this message, or if this program made its way to the screens in front of uh, Russian President Putin or anyone uh, connected to the Russian government. What message would you want to send, considering the situation that we're now discussing? You know, in Estonia, when it comes to uh, security and national security issues as such, uh, we, uh, rather than uh, focusing on uh, individual statements here and there, we uh, and uh, focusing only on uh, on other countries' uh, uh, 
uh, you know, political campaigns or uh, policy proposals. We we really uh, uh, try to uh, keep uh, keep focused, be vigilant, and also composed. Uh, uh, and uh, based on my own experience, which is several several years uh, working uh, uh, on NATO related issues, several uh, many years uh, working with our uh, allies uh, here in the states, but also elsewhere. My my very uh, strong uh, uh, I have a very strong level of confidence that uh, that no uh, country should uh, underestimate uh, uh, NATO in terms of um, the military uh, capabilities that this uh, alliance bring, brings together, but maybe even uh, more importantly, the uh, the will of uh, uh, will of or or the will to to defend uh, uh, freedom of the alliance uh, to to will to uh, to stick together uh, whenever uh, there is a uh, there is a problem out there. So uh, uh, certainly, uh, Russian uh, leadership uh, uh, should uh, should uh, rest assured that NATO uh, is uh, uh, militarily uh, stronger than it uh, it has ever been. And uh, and uh, there is no doubt whatsoever uh, when it comes to uh, the individual and collective uh, commitment of NATO countries uh, when it comes to uh, uh, standing up uh, for freedom and uh, for uh, for our allies. Uh, I personally don't have any uh, uh, any uh, trouble uh, believing that. Uh, I sleep like a baby when people ask me. And uh, and uh, and I'm uh, confident that it, this will uh, uh, continue this way. All right, Ambassador, thank you very much. We appreciate your time, Ambassador Christian Prick from Estonia, Estonia's ambassador to the U.S. Thank you. Thank you, JJ, very much for having me. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Americans and other Westerners are advised not to go to Russia. Luke Harding, a reporter for The Guardian from London, did it and ended up under constant surveillance. It involved curious young men wearing uh, cheap black leather jackets following me around the streets of Moscow. And they weren't trying to cover their tracks. Sitting next to me in restaurants. Even the home of the best-selling author who's written books critical of Vladimir Putin was invaded. We had a series of break-ins at our family apartment where I live with my wife and my two small kids. He was unaware until the British embassy had advised him about it. So these were break-ins by the FSB, the Federal Security Service. This happened all the time, particularly against Americans and, and Brits who were very, very hated. And that hatred could land you in prison, like Paul Whelan, Evan Gershkovich, and now Ksenia Karolina. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com email. I'm J.J. Green, and this 
is Target USA, the National Security Podcast.